I'm Bob Cudmore, and this is Talk of the Town on Magic 590, also heard on 100.5. Joining us is Craig Apple, the sheriff of Albany County. Wanted to start off asking you about school safety. Your office had developed a new school safety plan for three local school districts, Ravina, Queeman, Selkirk, Knox Westerlow and Voorheesville. Uh, what are the components of the plan and how's it going? Well, it's a little bit of a proof of concept that we wanted to do to, um, well, obviously enhance school safety, but also to let other communities know that we can do this and it's not really going to take an awful lot of money. So what we were able to do was um, obviously we have the SROs in the school, okay, and the schools are contributing towards that salary. So that aside, um, I firmly believe that the SROs, are, the SROs are not the um, it's it's not the end all. You're not going to be able to save everybody with an SRO. That's a school resource officer. It's a police that, officer. That's right? correct. It's yeah. a police officer, a uniformed police officer, active, and um, but we wanted to go above and beyond that because you know some of these districts, these college, these uh, high school campuses are three, four buildings. They're um, you know five thousand square feet, twenty thousand square feet. So we wanted to take it to another level, and we uh, went out and partnered with Motorola, and we added panic alarms in, in the schools in strategic areas. We left it up to the schools to decide where to put them. When you hit that panic button, God forbid it's an active shooter, it's a medical emergency, whatever the case may be, when you hit it, it opens up immediate communication with our 911 dispatch center. So our policy at that point is it can talk back and forth. Um, we can listen. We can hear. Maybe the person on the other end can't communicate with us because there's an active shooter right outside the door. Mm-hmm. So we can hear what's going on, and we can better, at that point, dispatch our uh, the responding resources. Mm. So in addition to the panic alarms, we've also outfitted the schools with portable radios, so they're all over the school, um, out on the, go- on the um, softball fields or the football fields, whatever the case may be. So they can communicate with dispatch. They can communicate with the main office, whatever the case may be there. And then on the buses, we put in two-way radios as well. So some of these buses are in very, very rural areas with no communication. Now they can communicate. Um, you know, we always said, see something, say something, but we never gave them the means. Well, now we gave them the means. And then the final component of this is um, we developed an app that is just that. See something, say something, see something, text something. Maybe there's some young lady sitting in, in lunch listening to a conversation going on about somebody planning some you know, real heinous attack. Mm-hmm. She can sit there and take a video or a picture and text it to us anonymously. It'll come right to us, and then we can make the um, necessary, you know, whatever strategic movements we have to make at that point. Prepping for a, another guest, uh, actually Phil Barrett of uh, Clifton Park, if I understood him correctly, one of his ideas is to have, let's say, the sheriff have a satellite office mm-hmm. at a school school. What what do you think of that? Oh, I like it. Um, I I mean, listen, the schools are strapped for resources. um, And it's very, you know, you have to kind of go above and beyond the school resource officer. I firmly believe that. And uh, again, one person, he has to be in the right place at that right time. And, um, you know, having cops coming in and going, coming and going from the schools, I think is is important. And it also builds rapport. and you can, those officers can be a bit of a mentor to the students. It's not just about, you know, crime and solving crime and locking mm-hmm. people up. It's about really building relationships with the kids and, and building that bond. Mm-hmm. You mentioned school buses. Uh, I have a question on school bus safety. There's always concern about people passing stop school buses right. when uh, children are getting off and on the buses. 
But is it so that some buses now have equipment to take the photos of license plates of vehicles that do that? And is that in an operation? No, it's not. Um, there's a couple pilot uh, programs that are running around out there. One of them, uh, Burn has a camera on a bus. And um, listen, 50,000 cars a day, a day, pass a stop school bus in the state of New York. That's a staggering number. And these are our kids. This is like our most vulnerable resource out there. And, um, you know, and, and I think we can do a better job at this. This bill has been bogged down in the, in the, uh, in the assembly. It has passed the Senate. The assembly bogged it down. Um, our local assembly members upstate are all for it. But here we are downstate again um, that has not um, passed it. And, and they need to do it this session. This is something that um, I know there's some logistics that need to be worked out, but I'll tell you what, our school resource officer was given the picture. He went and spoke with the individual. The guy admitted to doing it. He ticketed him, and I'm sure that guy's not going to do it again. Mm -hmm. Everybody is in a hurry, Bob. Everybody's in a hurry. They're looking at their phones. They're looking down. They're wondering where they got to be next, everything else. And the next thing you know, you got a student walking out in front of a school bus. Mm -hmm. And um, I don't think anybody wants to live with that. Let me bring up a a topic we've discussed uh, a couple of times, immigrants in the jail, Uh, immigrants arrested by federal agents in other parts of the country being housed at the Albany County Jail. There have been several news stories about this in recent weeks. First, it was reported that the number had declined, but then the number has increased again. What's going on with the number of uh, inmates that you have? I think as of this morning, we're around 270, something to that effect. Um, The number did go down. It went down about 50 to 70. And then um, just this past Friday, we um, I believe we got another 40 or 50 in. Um, that number is going to continue to kind of go up and down, I think. Um, but I'm also told that there's thousands and thousands of other folks out there that are um, trying to cross the border. And as long as that continues, I imagine that, um, you know, we're going to be still taking immigrants. Now, the reason we take them, if you see some of these photos out there, these photos are horrifying. And um, we've got, I think, a model program in place to treat people with dignity, to still accomplish our mission. And also, it generates revenue for the county. Mm-hmm. And what have you been providing the inmates, or what has the jail been providing? Um, the well, they pretty much get what every other inmate gets, with the exception that I have a, um, not I have, but I have partnered with a huge staff of pro bono attorneys from all over the East Coast. They come from Manhattan, um, New Hampshire, wherever, and um, they come into the jail and they provide free counsel to these immigrants to help them um, try to basically stay in the country and seek asylum. Mm. And uh, they help them, they guide them. And um, in addition to that, you know, they're getting good medical, they're eating good. Some of these people are coming in, they're starving. Um, Again, I think it's, um, I I don't, regardless whatever anybody's um, feelings are on immigration, um, we can still treat people with dignity and um, provide them with the necessary means to survive. Do you know of any of the detainees that you've housed in Albany who have you know, like been successful? I mean, maybe work their way out of being uh, this incarcerated status? Actually, yes. Um, so what happens, Bob, is uh, ICE will take them from Albany. We're just basically a holding facility. Uh, so ICE will come and take them to Albany and bring them to Batavia where they will see an immigration judge um, sooner than later. And um, I know that last week, Two individuals were released out. Um, And interestingly enough, last night there was a young girl from Cameroon who was um, dropped off at a bus stop and released. Mm. So, um, yes, actually some of them have been helped. 
Um, and again, you know, um, there's a process. I think the system is severely broken. It needs to be fixed. And as long as people are, are, are following the rules and regulations of uh, immigration, um, everything should be good. And I read a, a news story that State Assemblyman David Weprin visited uh, the immigrant uh, detainees. Do you yeah. know what his interest is in this situation? Well, his interest, um, you know, he wanted to come up and see some of the programs that we were running. We have an awesome facility in, in Albany County, and I'm very proud of that facility. And um, we're an accredited facility. We've got nationally recognized programs up there that nobody else is doing. And we've been able to accomplish that with minimal cost to the taxpayers of this county by the means of establishing great partnerships. So uh, Assemblymember Weprin came up. He talked to some of the detainees. He also um, toured the facility. And um, again, I, I know what his feelings are. He doesn't want anybody incarcerated as far as the uh, detainees, but that's not my decision. Um, but I can, in fact, while we are holding them, we can treat them with dignity. We can show them the means of you know, how to stay in this country legally. And, um, and provide them with good care, and that's what we're doing. Would it be correct to say that the, the treatment in Albany County is different from the treatment they get in a lot of other jails? I, I stand behind that. I, I think I said that in that article, actually. I, I firmly believe that um, we can accomplish our mission as a correctional facility and treat people with dignity better than anyone else. It doesn't seem like this is happening, but is ICE reluctant to ship uh, the immigrant uh, detainees to your jail uh, because of that? I don't think so. I, I mean, listen, they're, they're human beings. Um, they understand. And, and ICE has a job to do. I get that, you know. And I know a lot of people are hard on ICE, but um, they do. They have a job to do, and they're doing their job. And um, I have a partnership with them where they bring us these uh, detainees, and they know what we're doing. They know that the attorneys are coming in and helping these detainees. Um, there's nothing wrong with that. It's, it's you know, that's it's part of this country. So um, everybody's accomplishing their mission. Nobody is overstepping their bounds. And people are now being allowed to stay in the country legally as a result of some of the great work that's going on. Believe well, in talking about the, the school safety issue, you mentioned uh, uh, calling 911. I, I did see some uh, news coverage this past few weeks about the 911 dispatch center, the emergency uh, number that you, people call. Uh, and there was a news report that you might be seeking a new home or it's been, yes. uh, this has been uh, planned that it would be located at the county nursing home, right? Yeah, well, it's like a, it's a project that we haven't really solidified yet, but we definitely are seeking a new home. We're out of space. Um, this building was built, uh, geez, 23, 24 years ago. Um, and we've just simply outgrown it. And with technology and the equipment that's necessary, and plus some of the shared services and consolidations that we've done to save taxpayer money, um, we definitely need a bigger footprint. So we initially wanted to go into the nursing home tower on the fourth and fifth floor. Um, with the new codes and the regulations regarding public safety buildings, it would almost be impossible to do that without shoring up um, the entire building, which would be a waste of money. So then we were looking at leasing some space um, you know, the square footage really is just not, it's not conducive to what we're looking for as far as cost per foot. So now we're back looking at a different part of the nursing home, which is on the first floor. And um, we're actually going to start to roll out some work on that this week and um, look for some funding for it. Uh, it's basically an L and then we're going to add on to the L to, to basically complete a rectangle. And um, I think that will be a state-of-the-art facility. It'll allow us for future growth, and it'll also allow other municipalities to um, 
to basically come and share space with us if they need more room at their station. We don't want to look at it as a consolidation, but bring your people over and they mm-hmm. can share space with us. So you would uh, stay in the nursing home or have in a part of it, yes. But another, a different part than yes. had originally. Where is it now? It's out actually located in the middle of Albany County in Voorheesville. And, um, you know, the problem, Bob, is that, you know, cell phone and landline fees, there's a small tax on them. Well, as many people out there listening know, landline fees uh, fees are going way down because most people are getting away from and having their cell phone. Mm-hmm. So that's where we always got our money to continue to build the technology. So uh, as the landline surcharges go down, we don't have all the revenue. So we got to start to look at other ways to do this. And by merging and cutting some of those costs, that's one of the probably the best way to do it out there. Mm. And this 911 center serves who? who in- the entire county of, of, of Albany. It basically, everything runs through that building and then maybe feeds another public safety answering point. Um, it serves most of the um, cellular 911 calls that come through. Some do go to the state police, but most of them come right over. Um, and, you know, the other part of the nursing home is this is a great repurpose of that building. That building would sit dormant because they're building a new one. So let's repurpose it. Let's save, uh, you know, millions of taxpayer uh, dollars and do something with it. Mm-hmm. Governor uh, Cuomo, n- new topic here, uh, issued an order apparently allowing sex offenders to enter school buildings to vote. Is this so? And if so, do you think it's a bad idea? It's a horrible idea. Um, I, I mean, you just said it. We're allowing sex offenders to go into schools to vote. There's a better way to do this. We don't need to shove these types of ideas out there because of the season we're in. There's nothing wrong with having some pre-planning. And let's talk about maybe having these have an exception to the absentee ballot rule. There's no If you want to vote, and I encourage it, everybody should be able to vote. We're working on a, pl- a plan right now in the county jail registering people literally as I'm sitting here. So – there's no reason that we can't have them fill out an absentee ballot and mail it in. There's no reason at all to send sex offenders into a learning um, educational institution. It's, it's not necessary. The, the issue being that uh, many uh, polling places are in schools and voting yes. takes place when the children are there. Well, and then while the children are there and then they said, OK, well, no, they won't go till seven o'clock at night. Well, what about after school activity? What about football practice? What about plays, drama class, whatever the case may be? What about, you know, yoga or whatever that's going on in schools at night? We don't need to do that. I think we're just exposing ourselves for, for a problem. Mm. Also, there was a, a news story of talking about terrorism, and you were quoted in the, in the media saying on the subject of terrorism that some terrorists are homegrown. Yeah, the, yes, absolutely. Well, you know what? You've got some out there that are sovereign citizens. A lot of them are homegrown. Um, they are complete anarchists um, uh, against government. Um, you have domestic terrorists. Look at uh, look at Oklahoma City bombing. You know, I mean, a lot of people look and they think that um, everything is going to come from from another country. Well, that's not the case. And I tell everybody: be cognizant of your surroundings. Know what's going on. Always have a plan. If you're in a building with a mass gathering, know how to he- get the heck out of there if you need to get out of there. Um, you know, a couple other things real quick, even at your house, you should have a go bag. You should have a bag that's a waterproof bag that's got batteries, a flashlight, your passport, your social security cards, birth certificates, all the necessary information that you need to save in the event of something happening, whether it's man-made or, uh, or, or um, from Mother Nature. Hmm. Um, another topic, uh, ambulance services. And this generally uh, speaks to the issue of 
volunteerism in, in uh, society today. Uh, the sheriff's ambulance service has paid paramedics. Uh, is it so that the the sheriff's ambulance services replacing previously volunteer ambulances in rural areas? Well, it's certainly not our goal or our intent. It's to augment. But, Bob, uh, about eight or nine years ago when the stock market crashed, um, a lot of people that were able to stay home and had extra time had to go back to work and either work second jobs or third jobs or Mm -hmm. um, spouses had to go back to work. So volunteerism took a big hit in the fire service and in EMS. So... um, You know, we've always had fly cars that would go around and try to get to a call quickly and save a life, and then the volunteer ambulance can can come and assist and take them away. So we started to run the ambulances basically because, you know, listen, if you're home and you you call 911 and we dispatch a volunteer ambulance service um, and three minutes go by and no one answers and we dispatch – we set out those tones again and a few minutes go by and no one answers – you know, you're talking three minutes, Mm -hmm. six minutes, nine minutes. Then it's rolled to another company, three minutes. If you're home having a heart attack, I don't think you give a damn who's coming to save you. Right. You just want somebody there. Right. What uh, towns are you in? Or- We're in Queemans, Burn, Knox, Westerlo, um, Rensselaerville, New Scotland, um, and Bethlehem. On the subject of uh, police news involving the, the sheriff's office, there was one uh, story that I wanted to ask you about. The, a lawyer alleged to sell heroin, a Cohoes attorney accused of selling heroin, sometimes to her clients. Yeah, horrible story, but it also goes to show you the power of addiction. And um, when people are fighting that addiction, um, basically the rest of the world gets pushed to the side and um, you just have to feed that habit. And it just goes to show you that it's it's not just a um, something that strikes the inner city. It's not something that just strikes people that are um, hit with poverty. Um, it hits all classes. It doesn't discriminate whatsoever. And um, it's a tragic case, but yeah, and um, the person that, um, one of the people that were buying from her, um, I know just got out of rehab and um, actually sent a thank you note for, um, for helping him and, and uh, kicking the habit and saving his life. And um, we wish him well, and we wish her well. It's nothing, listen, this is um, life-destroying stuff, and uh, it's not going away anytime soon. What is the latest on your efforts to control opioid addiction? Listen, we're fighting hard. Um, schools are open again. We're going to start firing up our heroin forms again. We'll travel around to the neighboring school districts, and um, we bring young people that are uh, in recovery with us to have them talk. And um, listen, you, you know, treatment does work. I've see, I get story after story of people that have gone through treatment, and, um, and now they get to live a life of uh, clean, healthy, sober life. And listen, um, I, I've never been addicted um, I certainly don't ever plan on it, but I'll tell you, I would want to know that there's people out there to help me if I did. Mm. Also, uh, and you alluded to this earlier, you have a program in the jail for inmates called SHARP. Yeah, we've got a, um, a nationally recognized program. It's a Sheriff's Heroin Addiction Recovery Program. Um, our, when you talk recidivism in county jails, Bob, um, the typical county recidivism is like 40, 42, 45 percent. And what that means is four out of 10 people are coming back continually. So um, the recidivism on that wing is like 16%, 15%, which is unbelievable considering the power of addiction. So what we do is we get them, we put them in there, we counsel them every day, we work on them, we mentor them, and then um, we try to get them into transitional housing, get into some outpatient treatment, and, um, and we wish you the best. And I think at that point, as government agency, uh, let alone a law enforcement agency, I think we've done all we can do. At some point, personal accountability has to step up. 
You've been listening to Talk of the Town on Magic 590 and 100.5. Our guest, Albany County Sheriff Craig Apple. Next week, we'll be joined by Clifton Park Town Supervisor Phil Barrett. This program will be available soon as a podcast on albanymagic.com and bobcudmore.com. I'm Bob Cudmore.